0: slash coronavirus or phone 119 if you can't access the website. If you test positive, the public health agency will confidentially trace anyone you've had contact with. We will let them know they may be at risk, ask them not to leave their home, and offer them a test if it's appropriate. Any of us could be asked to stay at home to keep our community and loved ones
1: safe. Let's all keep doing our bit to beat coronavirus. I wear one for my mom for people who've been shielding like my granddad because there's more risk the more we go out because most people who have the virus don't know it i wear a face covering because it hates the infection on me it helps protect others just like hand washing and social distancing you must wear one in shops and on public transport i wear one for everyone we all must do it to get through it
2: We don't get the normal opportunity to welcome our guest speaker to the pulpit, but on your behalf this morning, everyone, I'd like to welcome a very warm welcome here to Mr. Richard Fleming, all the way from sunny Donatlone. Uh, So, Richard, you're very welcome back again. Richard's not only a personal friend in a few circles, including that of the Boys Brigade, but also uh, a good friend here to 1st Ralph Freyland. So, Richard, uh, welcome back to the hill. We know you enjoy a trip up here to Ralph Ryland and we trust and pray that You'll enjoy your time with us as much as we're looking forward to our time with you and the word that you have prepared and what the Lord has laid in your heart for each of us this morning. So you're very welcome here to Rothright and Richard. Just by way of announcement, folks, uh, just a couple of things to say that the Reverend Boyd is back uh, from annual leave uh, tomorrow morning. So uh, Trevor will be back in duty and most of the online activities will recommence this incoming week. Just can I ask, uh, during this time of uncertainty and in light of the pandemic and all of the, the impact of the pandemic, could I just ask each and every one of you to consider those amongst our congregation and many of those who are known to us to continue pre- to pray for those who have been affected in recent days through bereavement. And bereavement is a difficult at the moment, as most of us know, but many members of our congregation have been affected by bereavement. So continue to think about. it those folks who have been affected and those two who are currently maybe socially isolating maybe uh, currently in the furlough scheme are affected in some way because of the circumstances that each of us face currently so uh, just continue to remember all of those folk who have been affected in some way uh due to pandemic and just in word of closure just to a reminder to each of us because i fall into the trap as well but remember as we leave the building today the church building, to to maintain our social distance, the circular distance on the floor, are a visual reminder of what two metres might look like. Uh, Also, remember to sanitise and and keep safe for everybody. And thank you. I'll hand over now to Richard. Thank you, Richard.
0: Good morning, everybody. It's lovely to be with you, and I thank your minister for the kind invitation to come and just take the service this morning as he takes a little break. Davis described Donna Cloney as sunny. I like people of my age, I looked out in the middle of the night and there was an absolute gale blowing. It was pouring down with rain and I suppose (laughs) maybe not having the faith I should have had, I says, I'm sure there'll be very few out of church this morning if it had kept up but the rain has blown over, Uh, it's not too bad, and so we're able to get out and join for worship. And it's a different situation, different times that we never thought we would be in. But nevertheless, uh, we're here and we will carry on as best we can in these different circumstances. So I'd like to read a few verses from, if I hadn't dropped my notes, uh, from Psalm 145. We've turned to the Psalms time and time again. And I would just like to read a few verses from Psalm 145 that speaks of praising the Lord. Despite all this happening, we have still much to thank and to praise God for. And psalm, David uh, writes these words in Psalm 145. I will exalt you, my God the King, and I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation will commend your works to another. They will tell of your mighty acts. They will speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty. And I will meditate on your wonderful works. They will tell of the power of your awesome works. And I will proclaim your great deeds. They will celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. All of you will will praise the Lord. Your saints will extol you. And so with those thoughts in mind, we'll just turn to God in prayer and uh, commit our service to the Lord. So let, let us all pray. Heavenly Father, we bow humbly and reverently in your presence. We come in that name that is above every name, the name of your Son, our Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who said that no one comes unto the Father but by me. So, Father, we know of no merit of our own that we come into your holy presence. For your ways are not our ways, neither are your thoughts our thoughts. And yet you bid us come, Father, we just come to worship you, the great God of all eternity, the, the mighty, powerful God who brought everything into being by your powerful word. Lord, you are the creator of all things and the sustainer of all things. There is no one like you. And Lord, we cannot even begin to imagine the kind of God that you are. Our minds are too small. Our minds just aren't capable of taking in just exactly the God you are. And yet you have revealed yourself to us in many ways. Lord, we confess that we are unworthy to come, for you are pure and holy, and we are sinful. Lord, we sin every day in thought and word and in deed. But Lord, we thank you that your word reminds us, if we confess our sins, that you are faithful and just to forgive us. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so very at the very start of our service, Lord, we would just ask for that cleansing. We thank you the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. And so at the very start of our service, Lord, we just pray that we might have clean hands and a pure heart. So that we can worship you in spirit and in truth. Lord, we thank you for your many blessings. Lord, we have much to thank you for. You have met our every need. We Thank you. You have met our material needs. And Lord, we have much to thank you for, for family and friends, uh, for loved ones. Lord, for food to eat, for uh, comfortable homes. And Lord, even in these uncertain times, look, we look out at a world that is so needy. And we have much to thank you for. And Lord, many a time, we take these things for granted. And perhaps it is good that we just take a minute to reflect on the goodness of God to us. Lord, you have placed us on a land, even with all its difficulties, a land of plenty. Uh, we have just come through the harvest season, and once again, your promise has been fulfilled, that while the earth remains, seed, time, and harvest would not fail. And Lord, you have been faithful to us again. And Lord, we have, our stores are full, our barns are full. Lord, you have indeed uh, given us a harvest once again. But most of all, we thank you for your greatest gift gift of your son our saviour the Lord Jesus Christ Lord we thank you that he came he left the realms of glory and the worship of the angels and Lord he came into this world came down unto this earth and was born as a helpless little baby in Bethlehem we thank you for his life for he went about teaching, proclaiming the kingdom of God, doing good Lord, we thank you that he was willing to go to the cross and there they lay down his life for ransom for us to pay the price that we could never pay. We are redeemed not with corruptible things, but with silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Jesus shed on the cross. We thank you, the hymn writer could say, that the blood has never lost its power till all the ransomed church of God be saved to sin no more. Thank you, there is redemption in the Lord. So, Father, we just want to come and to worship you today. We just want to lift up our praise to you. And we just ask, Lord, that you would be with us. Lord, we had sense your presence, that you would indeed speak to us through your word and through uh, this service. And at the end, we could say that it was good that we met here. Not only did we meet with each other, which is important, but most of all, we met with you. Lord, you spoke to us. And we just ask that you would draw us nearer to yourself in, uh, in this service and in the day that lies ahead. For we ask it all in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Amen. Now the hymn, Be Thy My Vision, we remain seated, I believe, and just whatever you do if you want to sing or you want to listen or you want to hum along or just whatever you feel happy doing, I'll be quite happy with that too. But the the, the opening hymn is... Be thy my vision. Thank you. From the Gospel of John, the Gospel according to John, chapter 9, and uh, we begin reading at the first verse. It's heading in the Bible here says, Jesus heals a man born blind. That's here, the Word of God. And as he, thus Jesus, went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this has happened so that the work of God might be disled in his life. As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. And while I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said this, he spat on the ground and made some mud with the saliva and put it in the man's eyes. Go, he told him, and wash in the pool of Siloam which means sent. So the man went and washed, and came home saying, His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the same man he used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was, and others said, no, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes open, they demanded. He replied, the man. They called Jesus, made some mud, and put it in my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and then I could see. Where is this man, they asked him. I don't know, he said. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. Now the day in which Jesus made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Therefore the Pharisees asked him how he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, I washed and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God. How does he not keep the Sabbath? But others asked, well, how can a sinner do such miraculous signs? So they were divided. Finally, they turned again to the blind man. And what have you to say about him? It was opened your eyes, he he opened. The man replied, he is a prophet. The Jews still did not believe that he had been blind and received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. "'Is this your son?' they asked. "'Is this the one you say was born blind? "'How is it now he can see?' Well, "'We know he is our son's parents answered. "'And we know he was born blind. "'But how he now can see, or who opened his eyes, we don't know. "'Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself.'" His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews. For already the Jews had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Christ would be put out of the synagogue. And that was why his parents said, he is of age, ask him. The second time they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God, they said. We know this man is a sinner. But He replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. But one thing I do know. I was blind, but now I see. When they asked him, What did he do to you? How did you open your eyes? He answered, I have told you already, and you did not listen. Why do you not want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? And they hurled insults at him and said, You are this fellow's disciple. We are the disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses. But as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. The man answered, Now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from. Yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to godly man who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. This man were not from God. He could do nothing. To this they replied, You are steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. Amen, we pray that God will bless this reading of his word for his name's sake. Amen. Children's address, it says in my little order of service, and we'll have to stick to that, and I'm trying to stick to time as well. Uh, it's a shortened service, as, uh, everything's different, but it's good to see so many boys and girls out this morning, and I just want to say a wee word to you uh, today. Words. We're all interested in words, aren't we? And uh, I have to mention it, don't you? Go back to school tomorrow morning. Maybe the first words you hear in the morning is, it's time to get up. Call your name, maybe Mama says. Call your name and says, it's time to get up. Those are awful things to hear, especially in a winter morning and the bed's nice and warm and you're nice and comfortable and you could just roll over and have a nice sleep. I'm like that too. But I don't have school to go to. But you have to get up and get your uniform on, get breakfast and all of that, and off to school. And you use words. We use words to speak, don't we? And we use words to read. And I have a book here, and it's just full of words. Any idea what it is? Can you read it? No? Your eyesight might be that good. Well, I'll tell you what it says. It's a concise English dictionary. And a dictionary does two things. Uh, At least, anyway, it gives you the meaning of the word, but it also gives you the spelling of the word. And then I thought, well, sure, if you knew how to spell the word to look it up, you wouldn't have to look how it's spelled. But sometimes you just know the beginning and you say, well, is it I, or E, is it C, or is it S? We have to look it up. And then there's new words come into our use, isn't there? And we've been using a new word this, uh, this year that perhaps we never heard before. And it's the word pandemic. Now, what is a pandemic? Have you ever heard of a pandemic? And a few years ago, we had another new word called a tsunami. It was a big wave that caused awful destruction. And I don't think I had ever heard the name tsunami. If anybody had said to me, do you know what a tsunami is? I wouldn't have had a notion. And then we have this word this year called a pandemic. And this dictionary was written a few years ago. In fact, the dictionary in me is about the same age, though I think it's wearing better than me. And I looked up, and it didn't actually give me the word pandemic, but it gave me something similar. And I'll read this out for you. And maybe you could tell me, if you think you know the meaning of this, tell me what it means. Here it is. It says it is a disease attacking many persons at the same time and spreading with great rapidity. In other words, it's spreading very quickly. A disease that's attacking many people. Any idea what that word might be? Anybody? Help from mum or Dad? begins with e no an epidemic yeah that's an epidemic well an epidemic is a small pandemic I suppose that's the way to describe it a pandemic we're told is spread right around the world and we have learned that this pandemic this coronavirus has spread right around the world from China it's a big word isn't it and it's affected every country and it's affected a lot of people even in our country. And we pray for those that have lost loved ones because of it. We pray for those who may be in hospital. And once again, numbers are rising of those who are sick and have to be in hospital or those who are at home. And all of that. We, we remember those folks. And we just pray that once soon, maybe there will be a cure, we'll be found. And we'll get back to normal. We're told that it started in China, this pandemic and has spread right around the world. And That's why you've been off school and all the restrictions uh, that we all have to wear masks, we have to keep our hands clean, we have to keep our distance, all those uh, regulations that now we have to remember. And sometimes it's a wee bit difficult to remember all that we're supposed to be doing. As Somebody said to me this morning, you know, it's uh, strange that we don't shake hands when we come into church, and you nearly do it automatically, and then you realize, oh, no, we can't do that. But it's the rules and regulations, and there's a good reason for it. Then I thought of another little word. It's not a big word like pandemic. It's a little word. And there's only three letters in it. And it has spread right around the world. And not only has it spread around the world like this pandemic, it has affected every country. And worse than the effect in every country, every single person is affected by it. Now, thankfully, not every single person is affected by the coronavirus. But every single person is affected by this pandemic. And it's a little word with three letters, begins with S, and the middle letter is I, and the last letter is N. And the Bible tells me that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All have sinned. Every one of us is affected by it. There's none that have escaped. We may escape the coronavirus. But we cannot escape sin. The Bible tells us we are all affected. And it began not in China, but in the garden, a lovely garden that God had made. But our first parents that we call Adam and Eve sinned against God. And so sin came into this world. And no matter who we are, no matter where we come from, no matter what our position in life may be, we are all affected by it. Isn't that bad news? We're all affected by sin. The Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death. There are many scientists and doctors trying to find a cure for this pandemic. And we wish them well and hope that we soon will be able to find a cure. But you know, the Bible tells us that there already is a cure for sin. The Bible tells us clearly that it's the Lord Jesus Christ The Lord Jesus is the cure for sin. And you know, if you ask the Lord Jesus to forgive us our sins, it says he will cleanse us from all sin. We'll be cured from sin and it will not have the effect on us that it once had. And one day we can go to be with him. Isn't that good news? Good news that although this pandemic that started in the Garden of Eden and has spread right around the world, there is already a cure. God has sent a cure in his son, the Lord Jesus. And all those who put their faith and trust in him will be cured. Great news to be spread. Great news for everyone. And we trust that all in church this morning, young and old, will avail of that cure that can cleanse us from sin and make us fit for heaven. Now, I think Robin's going to show us uh, something about the Samaritan's Purse Appeal. So let's just sit and we watch that place. Thank you.
1: The children are completely overjoyed. It's a real celebration. So many smiles on their faces. Kids are so excited. Giving them a gift, doing it in Jesus' name. That's what this is all about.
2: It's a wonderful way to enter into the Christmas spirit in its true meaning.
1: Operation Christmas Child has grown hugely over 30 years since it started a small town in the UK. And has now
2: snowballed into this enormous global movement.
1: That's what I love about Operation Christmas Child. It knows no borders and knows no boundaries. It's all about sharing the name of Jesus Christ. It is impacting children. It is impacting families. It is impacting the world greatly.
2: Lives are being changed
1: all over the world. It's brilliant. You.
0: now that we'll have our prayer of intercession we want to remember as we've been saying to the boys and girls this those who have been uh, affected by this pandemic and we also remember that those perhaps we could just call them the the ordinary ills of life that come in the winter time those who perhaps are sick and maybe they seem to be overlooked uh, they're not busy looking after those that are uh, sick with this pandemic corona 19 that um, Those who are normal sicknesses, I think you're nearly as advised not to go to the doctor and just try to look after yourself. But there you are. So let's pray and commit all to to the Lord. So let's have our prayer of intercession, please. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you're a God who hears and answers prayer. Now we pray for our land and all who have authority over us, who rule over us. Lord your word commands us that we pray for them. Lord we pray that they might rule with honesty and integrity and that the well-being of all our people would be their aim and purpose and not for any personal gain or advantage. Lord we pray for all those who are ill at this time. We pray for those that are affected with this virus that they might uh, soon, uh, Lord, a cure might be found. We pray, Lord, for those who look after them. And we pray for all who care for the sick, whether they're in hospital, in our local surgeries and clinics, for all who work in nursing and residential homes, caring for those in the even tide of life, who physically or mentally are not what they once were. Lord, we pray for those who care for loved ones at home. We know, Lord, that you know every situation. And so we just commit all to you. And at this time of uncertainty, Lord, we pray for those whose employment is being infected by the current regulations, who those whose maybe place of employment has had to close and may never reopen again. We pray for those, Lord, for those families who face difficult times and a difficult future. Lord, we commit them to you. Lord, we pray that your sustaining grace would just be with them in every situation. We pray for the witness of the church of Jesus Christ and the witness of our own church, the Presbyterian Church of Ireland, and for this congregation. Lord, we pray for the minister, the Reverend Boyd. Lord, we pray that you would encourage and sustain him in all his labors and pray for his family. And Lord, we pray for the work that's carried on here. For those who work alongside him in the many positions of responsibility. Bless them, I pray, O Lord. So, Lord, as we now turn to your word, we pray that you would speak to us through it. So that through your word, dear Lord, your will would be done. That the name of Jesus would be uplifted and glorified. Lord, if there's any in our midst who still not know Jesus as Savior and Lord, Lord, even today, they might find their way to the foot of the cross and commit themselves to thee. Lord, we thank you that you turn no one away. And so we ask your blessing on our coming together. In Jesus' name. Amen. This chapter 9 of the book of John uh, is unique in a way because it speaks of the only miracle... Recorded in the four Gospels in which the sufferer is said to have been afflicted from his birth. In other words, this man could never see. Never seen his surroundings. Never seen the face of his loved ones. It's hard to imagine, isn't it? But that was his condition. And so we want to look at the condition of the man. We want to look at the cure he experienced. And then the criticism that he experienced Just quickly, we'll go through it. I know we're in a restricted time, so we'll uh, maybe not just as as much time to it as perhaps normally we would. But let's just look briefly at uh, this passage. As I said, it's the only recorded uh, miracle that Jesus uh, uh, affected in the Gospels uh, that the man was blind from his birth. As I said, he never could see, never could see the world of nature around him, never see flowers, never see the trees or anything like that. Beautiful surroundings, I just remarked that to David as we were up in the minister's room, the beautiful view you have looking out across the centre side there, out onto the Knock Hill and all that. Beautiful country where you live, other side you look onto the mountains. Uh, imagine someone blind could never see that. Uh, we just pray for all such and for those who work with folks in that situation. But the situation changes because Jesus enters into his life. See, not only does Jesus pass along that way, he stops. And that makes all the difference. As we read that Jesus saw the man. He didn't pass by, he saw him. And the disciples, they must have known all about this man because they asked the question, Lord, who sinned? This man or his parents that he was born blind? You see, uh, the Jews connected suffering and sin. Maybe there's someone in our country would take that view too. If someone's suffering, maybe it's something they did, something his parents did, something maybe in the family background, and now they're suffering because of it. But Jesus said uh, that he, it was not because of any sin that he was born blind. In fact, he said uh, in verse, two, verse 3, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened to that the work of God might be displayed in his life. In other words, Jesus already knew the situation. Jesus knows all our situations. He said this man hadn't sinned or his parents hadn't sinned had caused this blindness. Now what Jesus was not saying was that they had never sinned. For the Bible tells us that all have sinned. But that that it was nothing, anything that his parents or he had done that was responsible for his brightness. But rather that this was an opportunity to show what God could do through Jesus. That means that Jesus being God already knew what was going to happen. Jesus didn't pass by that way just by chance. He just didn't stop uh, at the man by chance. Jesus being God knew already what was going to happen he said and so that god would be glorified in what was about to take place then he refers very quickly to this little passage he says that those who work need to work while it is day man was in darkness and jesus refers to light he said while it is light we must work because when darkness comes uh, we cannot work that would have been the situation and days gone by wouldn't it Once it came dark, work would have to stop. And it reminds us of the necessity to work for the kingdom while it is day. While we have opportunity, we must work for the kingdom of God. Referring them to Jesus, who is the light of the world. And all who come to him will have the light of life. So that's the man's situation. He was born blind. He was a beggar. Could not work and so he depended on the kindness, on the charity, on the goodness of those who passed by. Could do nothing for himself and so he was totally dependent on the kindness of others. But let's quickly look at the cure he experienced in verses 6 and 7. To us today what Jesus did would seem strange. It would be off-putting. We would say it was even very unhygienic that he spat on the ground And he made like a mud or a paste and he put it on the man's eyes. But in those days, this was a means of demonstrating healing. In this man's case, he could feel Jesus applying the paste to his eyes. Jesus would have spoken to him. And so he'd have heard Jesus' voice. But now he could feel Jesus touching his blind eyes. And this would have given him confidence. You know, even today... Uh, if you're dealing with people, they will tell you that you speak to them, you tell them what's happening, uh, you assure them uh, of what they're doing. Is everything okay? Do they agree that what you can do to them if you're in this, the medical world? Uh, all that sort of thing, that you would give them confidence that uh, what you're going to do, they're in agreement with. And so Jesus touched his eyes, and that would have given him confidence that something was going to happen. He had the faith that something was going to happen to him and his blindness for the first time in his life. Having applied this mud to his eyes, Jesus said something strange again. Jesus could have cured him there and then. We know Jesus could do that without even being there. But nevertheless, this was the method that Jesus used. Using the man's faith, he said, Go and wash in the pool of Siloam, one of these pools in the city. And so we read that the man went and either by himself, remember he was blind, or whether someone helped him to the pool, we're not told. But the main thing is that he went, he followed Jesus' instruction to the letter. He went to the pool and he washed the mud off his eyes. And for the first time, he could see. What a change in his life. We read that he came home seeing. What a change. To see those around about him, I'm sure we're told that those perhaps who are blind have a great sense of hearing. He would recognize people's uh, voices, but now he would see them for the first time, face to face. See the city that he lived in. And all of that he could see for the first time. Jesus had opened his eyes. And you'd think everyone was pleased, but not at all. We read that They were divided because of Jesus. Not everyone was pleased. First of all, his neighbors were divided. Was it him? Or was it just somebody who looked like him? Did he look like the man? Or was it it him? And he said, but I am. I am the man who was blind. And so they then bring him to the Pharisees. And there the trouble really starts because Jesus has healed this man on the Sabbath day. Jesus performed the miracle on the Sabbath. And so the religious arguments start. They're, they raised all the questions. How could this man be from God if he cured him on the Sabbath? Not where did he get the power. How could this man have the power to heal this man? No, how could he heal him on the Sabbath day? The Sabbath day was more important to them than the healing. You'd think they would rejoice that the man who was blind and could see. But no, they were more concerned on the day, their rules and made up regulations. How could he be from God if he performed he, he this miracle on the Sabbath? Not only did they say, how could he perform a miracle on the Sabbath? How could a sinner do such a miraculous work? Because he did it on the Sabbath, he was a sinner. And then they questioned the man, they questioned his parents. And they were afraid not to say the wrong thing. Because we're told that if you were a follower of Jesus, you would be cast out of the synagogue. That would be a terrible thing for any Jew to do. To be cast out of the synagogue, you'd be cast out of society, you could not join in uh, with the rest of your neighbors, you'd be ostracized, and not to be allowed into the synagogue was just something that could not be allowed to happen, to be denied your faith. And so they... Just passed the question back to their son. Said, well, we don't know, but look, he's of age. He's grown up. You ask him. And it's wonderful what the man said, how he refers to Jesus. First of all, in verse 11, he calls him the a man. They said, a man called Jesus. By verse 17, he's moved on to say he is a prophet. And by verse 38, the man said, Lord, I believe and worship Jesus. wonder what our view of Jesus is today. Is he just a man? A good man. man who went about doing good. And we would commend him for that. And Jesus certainly did that. We read that he went around uh, all of uh, Canaan performing miracles, proclaiming the gospel, proclaiming the kingdom of God. But was he just a man? Or was he prophet? Was he a prophet? Something more than just a man. prophet was someone sent from God who proclaimed the word of God to the people. The Old Testament is full of prophets. Great prophets who brought the word of God sometimes very unpopular words that the people didn't want to hear when they strayed from God's ways. And God would send a prophet to remind them of their sin and their way back. And when they realized they're wrong and they would come back and ask the prophet to pray for them. And many a time we read that they were restored. But is Jesus just a prophet, a man, or a prophet? Or do we believe that he is the Lord? How do you view Jesus? As a man, as a prophet? Or can you say, like this man whose eyes were opened, Lord, I believe? And worship him. It's only when we accept him as saviour and lord. That we can spiritually say. Like this man said. He said he didn't know all about Jesus. And we certainly will not know all about Jesus. Or all about salvation. We'll never have it all worked out. No matter how clever we are. No matter how good we are. Reading the bible and all of that. And I would commend you for it. But all he could say was this. And this is really all we need to do. It's like him we can say. One thing I do know, that I was blind, but now I see. That's all he needed to know, wasn't it? He said, once I was blind, but now I see. I wonder, can you say that spiritually as we close our services here this morning? That once I was blind, we were in sin and darkness, but coming to the Lord Jesus like this man did, we can spiritually see. My prayer would be, if you haven't come to that position in your life, that here this morning, everyone could say, truthfully as we leave, Lord, I was blind, but thankfully, now I see. No cost. This man didn't have to pay Jesus anything. He would have paid, I'm sure, anything if he was told, whatever you pay, you can purchase your eyesight. All he had to do was to have faith in Jesus, and he was healed. That's all we have to do. We don't have to pay anything. The price has been paid in full. And we trust in Jesus. May we do so for his name's sake. Amen. Our closing hymn is When I survey the wondrous cross. We remind it once again that it was on the cross that Jesus purchased our salvation. It's so a wonderful cross on the price that he paid so that we might have the freedom no eternal life at no cost to us when I survey the wondrous cross. Thank you. So may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. Folks, as you realize, I can't go down to the door. As I said, normally shake hands with you. But I would just like to say thank you for coming. It's lovely to see you all here. And I just ask that you, you know the regulations as far as leaving the church. Uh, about spacing and all of that. So uh, I, I just wish you as well and trust that we all stay safe. And uh, thank you for coming out this morning. It's lovely to have seen.